Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And uh, kind of a week, huh? We escaped here in our value fund with a, what is it, one, uh, I want to say up 1% on the week. And, uh, but it's getting sporty out there, people. Um. And we're going to talk about that. And we've been doing the special on commodities. But because of what's happened this week, I think it's important to focus on that and, and talk about what we see and what's going on. And is this a, just a market gyration? Is this another scare to the downside? Is this the beginning of another big turn downwards? Uh, and I just felt like, wait, well, hey, we'll get back to it, right? We're, we're, next week, we got some, some stuff lined up on the commodity side of it. So we're going to keep doing that. The other thing I want to tell you guys that I'm really excited about is uh, two weeks from now, we will be joined for an hour-long discussion with the first Nobel Prize winning economist. We've never had a Nobel Prize winner on the show, and I, there's probably a lot of radio shows that could say that. Um, but this one in particular, I'm really excited about because I've been following, you guys know me, I'm a value guy. And um, one of the modern godfathers of valuations is a guy by the name of um, uh, Professor Robert Schiller. And you can find tons of stuff on this guy. Obviously a Nobel Prize winner. He created the CAPE index, the cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio. Um, The guy's just a beast. And he's, I'm blanking out right now. There's another, anyway, he is, he has been a very impactful voice in modern economics, uh, as well as modern finance. And um, it's a big get. I'm really excited. I've just been an admirer of his work since business school. And um, yeah, I'm, ple- I'm smiling if you can't tell while I talk about this because we've had a lot of great guests on the show. I, I just, um, yeah, I just, this is a big one. So anyway, that's coming up in two weeks. And I, I, I couldn't be more pressing, right? Um, what, what a treat to be able to talk to a Nobel Prize winning economist for an hour and, and really get a deep dive into what's happening here, right? The impacts of inflation, the impacts it's going to have on equity markets and valuations and all this kind of stuff. So that's coming up in two weeks. But today, we're going to have that interview, like I told you with my buddy. We're going to zero in on, on reverse mortgages, guys. And I know, that, I know it's not the most exciting thing uh, for a lot of us finance junkies, but I do think it's very, very important, especially now with record high um, uh, housing prices. Why? Because I, I hear so many comments. I'm worried about housing. And with the jump in rates, guys, what, what have I said all along? Housing can roll as long as rates stay where they are. Well, they've popped aggressively. So now I'm pulling back on my housing bullishness. I don't think we're on the verge of a housing collapse. There's no need to panic. But now is a perfect time to look at reverse mortgages because the reverse mortgage amount you get is based on the valuation of your home. Again, this goes back to our goal to educate. Right. And, and to show you risk management and how we look at this broadly and look at every single aspect of a client's life and go, hey, how can we configure things to a manage risk the best, but b create the retirement that you want that you've been working for. Right. And, and, and this can be a very critical part of it. And Brian's going to tell a story about how he got into reverse mortgages, a personal story, and how it really opened his eyes. So anyway, I, I don't want you guys to miss that. And don't just brush past it. I, again, I put the reverse mortgage in the same category I put the fixed indexed annuity. The dirtiest word in investing, right? Annuity. Well, number two is reverse mortgage. And it's because of misunderstanding, right? And remember, guys, we're also watching the bloodbath we see in bonds. I hope I've built up some credibility. Who's been warning you about bonds forever, right? We have. Hilarious. I saw an article came out on the Wall Street Journal this year, uh, this week. I think it was this week or last week. Big, bold font. Stocks and equities dropping together at a pace not seen in decades. And I just sat there and went, who could have seen that coming? And, And this is a perfect example, guys, of why you can't just listen to the normal chorus coming out of financial advice. Because your financial advisor is going to make a change 
with something like your bond portfolio when you've already realized the pain, when you've already lost 15 to 20%, like a lot of bond funds are down, you know, 15, anywhere from 13 to 20% different bond funds we're looking at in the last 14 months, bond funds. So that if, if you've listened to the show before and you got a 60, 40 portfolio and you've been brushing off what I'm saying, just ask yourself. Yeah, I'm not saying your bond portfolio is going to collapse, but just ask yourself, what's my upside? What are you hoping for out of those bonds? Are you hoping that rates go back down and you continue to make 2% net of fees or 1.5% net of fees with 8% inflation? Are you paying a management fee for those bonds? And I'll tell you guys, hey guys, if you want to pay me a 1% management fee to put you in a bond portfolio, I'm going to beg you not to do it, but I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, I, I, I'll continue to say, and if you're sitting there in a portfolio of bonds, guys, I am sure your financial advisor, the vast majority, I'm sure he's a really good, nice guy. I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure his intentions are good. But if he could not see this bond portfolio issue coming, which is impacting 20% of your, or excuse me, on, on average, 40% of your portfolio, I, you need to find a new guy. Like I've said, this is the slowest moving train wreck of all time. Why were we concerned about bonds? Because rates were at zero. If you can make an argument for me, how do the investment wins? I'm all ears. But in the meantime, our bond, bond replacement strategy over the last 10 years has delivered returns in excess of 7% per year net of fees. Okay, when you combine the real estate portfolio and the annuity together, and then on the annuity side, we've had some that have performed really well. We've had some perform that haven't performed as well. Every single one of them has beaten bonds over the last 10 years that we use anyway with no fee and zero risk. But everybody's always focused on the stock side, right? Our bond replacement strategy collectively is up one and a half percent this year. It's just better construction, guys. It's a bond portfolio for an inflationary environment. And I'll just keep pounding on the table, you guys. This is your retirement. If, if, if you've been listening to me, you have seen exactly what we've been warning you playing out. And if you've been listening to your advisor, you've seen him be 100% wrong. You're not gambling. You're gambling your retirement. And a lot of you were loaded up in tech, which is getting hit the hardest. One of the reasons our value portfolio is so strong is we've been short tech all year long. Why? Rates are going up. Stocks with the highest multiples are going to continue to get slaughtered. Now, will there be false dawns where there'll be big bear market rallies? Yeah. And I did. I used the B word. I firmly believe now we are in a bear market, guys. Now, that doesn't mean we're going another 40 or 50% down. But right now, I will tell you this. There's a movie called Margin Call out there, and I think everybody should watch it. If you haven't seen it, see it. Watch it this weekend. And it's a recap of 0809, but the reason why I bring it up uh, is because there's a scene in there where a famous, and I, I believe it was Dick Fold of, of, of Bears or Lehman Brothers, who had the comment of, as long as the music's playing, you got to keep dancing. And, and the guy in this movie, the actor, uh, was it Jeremy Ironside? Jeremy Irons? No, Irons. Jeremy Irons. Um, I believe that's his name. He, he's the actor. He's kind of like the, one of the top shots in the bank. And he says, he makes a comment where he goes, you know, I'm listening and I don't hear anything, referencing the music thing. Um, again, guys, nobody knows what markets are going to do in any given day, me included. But when I look out at this environment, I don't hear any music. And let me tell you why it's what we are jokingly referring to not joke because it's serious, but this is what we're jokingly referring to as the five horsemen, the five horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay. And that's a little bit hyperbolic. I don't want to panic guy. And there's no reason to panic. Okay. I'm just trying to save people money here. But the five horsemen of the apocalypse, let's go down there. We've talked a lot about the dollar and oil, okay? Uh, DXY now pushing 104, oil pushing 111. Uh, That is like throwing a 20 to 30% tax on the rest of the world, guys. Not at all good for positive economic growth. More importantly, in my opinion, is the dollar pushing to 20-year highs, Okay. We did this show on it last week. You can go back and listen to the interview we do. We we talked about it for an hour. But when the dollar gets up in this range, it is a helm wrecker. It's like a bull in a china shop. It's going to smoke everything. People are like, what are you talking about? Dollars going up, inflation. You guys, there is inflation. 
But what have I been telling you? The dollar doesn't work like we're used to it working. The dollar has become the volatility of currency markets, meaning when you look at the dollar, it has now become an indicator of financial stress. So you can have the dollar and crude skyrocketing at the same time, which we've been telling you this for four years, and, it's, and, it's, and this is where we're at. And you got to pay attention to it. The other thing, economic weakness. We had a negative 1.4% GDP print in the first quarter. That's contraction. You throw another quarter of negative growth on there, which I'm not saying is going to happen. I see some GDP indicators that say it's going to be positive in Q2, but the textbook definition, which I don't really like, you can get two quarters of recessionary stuff and it's not really that big a deal. But anyway, it is what it is. We were seeing economic weakness. Rates skyrocketing at a pace that we have not seen in a really long time. Yeah, that's another one. It makes debt and finance more expensive. If you're buying a house right now, you know what I'm talking about. This pop in mortgage rates has just massively increased mortgage payments. 40-year high inflation. Okay, that ain't good either. Right? And then the other one, which I think is the most important, is the Federal Reserve, due to inflation, they've got their hands tied. And they're telling you they're going to keep their hands tied. Okay? Now, you think about the Federal Reserve. We probably should have had a couple recessions along the way in this cycle over the last 15 years. And the reason we didn't is because the Federal Reserve would come in every single time the S&P got down 20% off its lows, and they'd stick save it, right? They'd print more. They'd ramp up QE. They'd do Operation Twist. They're telling you right now that they're not going to do that anymore. When you add all those things together, guys, I have never, first of all, the only, the only analog I really have to that is kind of what it looked to me back in the summer of 2008. And again, let me just say this. I'm not anticipating a 63% drop to top to bottom. Could it happen? Sure. I'm not saying that's going to happen. What I'm saying is the last time I looked at a market where I'm looking around and going, I see absolutely zero catalyst to the upside. The sixth horseman of the apocalypse, you could say, are valuations. Meaning this is, still isn't a cheap market especially if you've got contraction, right? Uh, 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 economic contraction, again, market uh, G- GDP was down 1.4% in the first quarter. But think about all of the increased cost of goods, right? All of the input costs to make materials have gone up. I, one of the things I think is the most certain is you've, I, and, and am I 100% certain? No, I don't think you ever can be in this job. Am I like 98% certain that at least for the next couple of years, you've seen peak earnings on the S&P? Yeah. So what does that mean? That means that if stocks stay where they're at and earnings drop because of inflation, because of increased costs, the other one, people, people look at, well, the, these big tech stocks, Apple, they're, you know, they're, they have no vulnerabilities. Hey guys, if you're in Japan, your currency has dropped 30% against the dollar over the last 12 months, Okay. Will people in Japan quit buying iPhones? No. Will they buy as many? No. The price has gone up 30% just on a cross-currency basis. And that's what's so pernicious about inflation is there's just very few things in the economy it doesn't touch, especially, okay, especially if you're a consumer. And we live in a consumer-driven market. Right? And that's where you get into the problem with the strong dollar and strong oil is killing the rest of the world. Strong oil is going to hit consumers here, both on power bills and things like that. It's killing Europe. So the idea that you haven't seen, so my whole point is stocks look cheaper than they did 12 months ago, but they're going to get cheaper, right? I mean, I think earnings are going to come down. And so when I'm looking out at a market, can I, am I going to tell you this market couldn't rally? No. That'd be a foolish thing to say. Markets do crazy things all the time. Again, I think we all need to have that grain of humility. We just came through a pandemic and an economic shutdown, the likes of which this country's never seen, and saw that lead us to all-time highs. But what was there? An accommodative Fed and a government that was hemorrhaging money. All of that has stopped now. And, and if there's ever been a time for tactical management and risk management – That's it, guys. Our average client is still flat altogether if they're in our bond replacement strategies. Our stock portfolios are down about 2.5% this year. Momentum's down about 6. Our value fund is up about 2. So we're hanging in there. Um, 
but there's a better way to do this, and I don't think that we've seen the worst of this yet. Not even, not even close. I, I, like I said, I look for catalysts to the upside, and I don't see them. I don't see them anywhere. I don't hear any music. And and if you haven't noticed, the bond portfolio you own ain't much of a volatility dampener. For a lot of portfolios, it's even underperforming stocks. And again, we've been warning you about this for years, guys. So don't sit there. Don't, don't, please don't call us or somebody other active manager after you bleed another 20. And why? Because if, even if we're wrong, right, I've said this, even if we're wrong, okay, and, and markets miraculously recover and go back up, even though there's zero economic impetus for that, you're going to make more, you got more upside capability. I can't promise you're going to make more. Nobody can. But we're going to give you a portfolio that's got even more upside potential. The difference is, if this turns into another nasty big downturn, people are like, it's already, na-. guys, 13% down, 14% down on the S&P. It's not fun, but it's not crazy. People are like, well, the NASDAQ's down 22. It should be. Right? The NASDAQ's grotesquely outperformed the S&P. If you think this is max pain, guys, it's just not. And there's a lot of other shoes that could potentially drop. And I think, we're be- I think we're at the beginning of a really nasty segment in financial history. I really do. Could I be wrong? Yeah. But here's the advantage of managing risk. When conditions change and we see some of those five or six horsemen of the apocalypse, when we see some of those things change, we're going to change our outlook. We'll change our positioning. But in the meantime, we're not going to get killed. So... Again, if you've been listening to us a while, but like, oh, I've been wanting to call. The other one I'm hearing, guys, people are like, well, Zach, we really want to move, but now we're down. Don't you think we should wait until it comes back? No, no. And why do I say that? Let's compare the performance of our portfolios over the last four years to your existing one. I guarantee you we made more in the up years. So what I'm saying is even if you're right, even if there's a big bounce back that comes, we can give you more upside exposure. But the difference with us, again, our average client is sitting there basically even, again, depending on how they're positioned, they might be down like, uh, I don't think many. If they've got a full portfolio allocation with us, I don't think anybody's down. But there's a better way to do it, guys. There's a much better way to do it. Um, The other one, guys, we've been telling you all the time, rates go up, inflation goes up, the most expensive stocks are going to get killed. Uh that continues to play out, and I'm not gloating. If you're out there and you're taking a hit, I'm not. I, I've been there, guys. I'm not. I'm not trying to be like the guy on the radio. Oh, I knew everything that's coming. I did. I don't. But some of this stuff is really easy to see. And if you're wondering why your financial advisor hasn't taken actions to mute that out, it's because he doesn't know how. He sells product. He sells financial products. He sells mutual funds. That's what he does. And he's going to tell you stock when stocks go down, bonds go up. Really? Really? Oh, and oh, you just got to ride it out. Okay, if you just want to ride it out, what are you paying a fee for? And again, I'm not calling these guys liars. They're not. I'm not calling them bad guys. I'm not calling them idiots. I'm not. I just, the model they are using was designed around the previous 40 years when interest rates were falling. You need a completely different approach. And if you don't look at me, let's go look at the last, or excuse me, if you don't believe me, go look at the last serious period of inflation over the history of this country, 1968 to 1982. Go look at how stocks and bonds fared. I, I, and look, the world will go on. It's not the end of the American dream. It's not, but, but a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. And, and I, what's amazing to me is I'm watching these people, you know, the, 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 the headline wall street journal, right? Stocks and bonds falling at the same time. How long will it last? Well, I don't know, but what, what are you going to go out and put 40% of your life savings in bonds because you think rates might've peaked? Congratulations, you're still making less than the inflation rate and you're paying somebody to do it. It's, a, it's just absurd. Especially when you get an R bond replacement strategy that during COVID was down 1.8 and has been averaging six to, no, over set. When you pair the two together, the annuity and the real estate fund that we're using, the two together have averaged north of seven. And they were down 1.8 during COVID when the average bond fund was down, you know, anywhere from 13 to, well, no, not 13. 17 to 25. It's so frustrating to me when I see these portfolios that are still in bonds. You're just getting hosed. You're just getting hosed and we've been warning you. And here we are. 
So anyway, guys, I, again, I don't want to be hyperbolic. I don't know. I'm just telling you, I have never seen a market that has a complete lack. Now, if the Fed got back involved, I'm not getting in the way of that. We've seen what they can do. But guys, their hands are tied. They're telling you their hands are tied. They're telling you they want to slow down the economy. They're telling you that. I just, it, it, you know, I, I really do. I, I, know, I don't want to see anybody getting smoked. And I'm just telling you, there's easy ways to avoid this. Now, it doesn't mean we won't, like I said, it, you know, our stock portfolios are down 2.8, I think is the exact number or something like that on the year. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, we're perfect. We're not. But you got somebody watching over your assets every single day. You got people hedging it. You got people that see these problems coming and make, and, and, and make arrangements, right? And, and make changes to, and, and guys, this is an economic sea change that we have not, the likes of which we have not seen for 40 years. We've gone from 40 years of battling deflation. Now, all of a sudden, the problem's on the opposite side. If you don't think that justifies a switch in portfolio structure, best of luck to you. But, but don't be confused, guys. And you could see a rally. You're going to see really sharp rallies that will suck more people in. Okay, but until you see those factors change, the five horsemen of the apocalypse that we just outlined, you're not going to get consistent economic growth, if any. And that's by design. That's what the Fed's trying to do, because by slowing down the economy, they slow down demand. They slow down aggregate demand, and that gets inflation under wraps, or at least the hopes. I don't think long-term even that's going to have an impact on oil just because you know, oil is a supply issue. And the Fed said in the minutes, we have no impact on the supply side of it. We can just dampen demand. So if these are not conversations you're having with your financial advisor, guys, you need to. You absolutely need to. Okay, the other thing today, like I said, we've got the two interviews coming up. We're going to have the first one with Brian McKechnie, uh, a good buddy of mine from college. And we're going to dig into reverse mortgages because I think it's really important considering where rates are going and where house valuations are. If you're nervous about a pullback in your home, and you maybe want some more flexibility in retirement, really the only way to insure that, and I, don't want, I use the word insure lightly, it's not an insurance, but it's, it, if you position it correctly, it can serve like an insurance policy on the equity in your home. And it's zero risk and tax-free. Don't have a closed mind. Listen to what we say regarding reverse mortgages. Okay? And if you're, under, if you're under 62, it really won't apply. But I, I used to be like, oh, reverse mortgages. Ugh. And when I got educated, it was kind of a mind-blower. And we've, we've utilized them in several of our clients' portfolios. We don't sell them, but I have our mortgage guy, Brian McKechnie, my good buddy from college, is going to be here with us today in studio. And he's going to walk us through these things. And we're going to do a little Q&A. And I'm going to ask him, you know, how does this work? How does that work? So I think that's really important, especially if you're over the age of 62. You're going to want to listen to that. And then this, we've got an interview with a guy named Andy Constant that really looks at the markets through the lens of treasuries and interest rates. And the, and, and, and the Treasury Department itself and the Fed. And that is the game right now, right? Interest rates being hiked because of inflation couldn't be more timely. But due to time constraints and the fact we've got two interviews, we can only broadcast that interview via the podcast. So if you want to hear that, which I strongly suggest you should, Google knowyourriskradiopodcast.com. You can get all of our interviews, including that one. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back for our interview with Brian McKechnie considering reverse mortgages. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free 
free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, <clears throat> wanted to do a little bit different segment. We've talked about this on the show before, but I think especially for retirees or folks near being retired, um, and then the backdrop of this market, I think this is a completely appropriate and necessary time to have this conversation. And I'm going to drop this conversation and this topic right in the same category as we put uh, the dirtiest word in investing, right, which is annuity. And if you guys have been listening to me for a long enough time, you should know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a traditional annuity, which we don't want in a low interest rate environment. I'm not talking about a variable annuity, which are trash. Um, there's a very specific kind with no fee and no cap that goes up with the market and guaranteed not to lose. It is an accumulation vehicle. It is very misunderstood. It gets lumped in with all the types of products that, that, that we don't like now. And and these products are not suitable for the entire portfolio, right? That's part of our bond replacement strategy. This strategy that we're going to discuss now is different. And the reason I, and, and, well, excuse me, it's different from most other things that you're going to hear. You're not going to hear it. I have, I have not heard anybody else talk about this product, if you will, in this light. But I think it's very apropos, and I'll tell you why. We all know what's happened in real estate prices, right? A lot of us all of a sudden over the last two and a half years are sitting on a mountain of equity in our homes. And for a lot of us, the equity in our home is a substantial percentage of our net worth. But unlike a stock portfolio, right? So our value portfolio is up about 2.5% year to date. That's not a plug. I'm just saying one of the reasons that it's up is because we've hedged, right? We've, we've protected it from downside losses by putting things in the portfolio that go up when the market goes down. But when it comes to our equity in our house, that's really tough to do. But there is a way. And it is something called a reverse mortgage. Now, just like with the fixed indexed annuity, when you hear that come out of my mouth, some of you are going to turn off your rate. Oh, I've heard big. Yep. I know what you've heard. And the reason I know what you heard is I had the same opinion of reverse mortgages, right? But we need to look at everything, right? We don't want to summarily dismiss anything without fully understanding it. And I've got a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine that I went to college with, uh, a very good friend, We've actually gotten in some trouble together. Uh, he, he is, you know, one thing I say in this business is referrals are all downside. There's no upside for a fiduciary anyway, meaning that it is impossible for us. It's illegal for us to have a relationship that is co-beneficial, meaning I cannot sit there and say to somebody, okay, I'll send you people for mortgages or reverse mortgages, but you have to send me back people for, for clients, right? I can't say that legally. I can't do it legally. And if you've listened to me for a while, um, that is enough. I'm not a guy that tries to press the edges. We play by the rules here. Part of it's because I don't want to lose my business, right? <laughs> um, but the reason I say it's all downside is because we can't make any money off of it. And if the client does not have a good experience, it makes us look bad, right? We're the gatekeeper. We're the people that send them to. So I'm very, very careful with referrals. Um, I also generally will not issue a referral unless I'm a user of the product or I'm a client of the person that I'm referring. And that is the case with the gentleman. It sounds weird to call him a gentleman. I didn't usually, that's not how we referred to each other back in college, but he played college football with me at Pacific Lutheran university. He is a mortgage specialist and he has, uh, he's really kind of taken a bend in his career and not a bend. He's still in the same business, but he's beginning to really focus on reverse mortgages. And, um, uh, I would like him to tell the story of why that is. So without further ado, I want to end, I want to introduce my good friend and college football teammate, Brian McKechnie to the show. And, uh, Brian, it's, it's great to have you with us, man. I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of, uh, like I said, I'm, I, I'm, I'm still kind of dumbfounded sitting there. I didn't think you and I would ever be on a radio show together. 
Um, you know, tell me about it. I mean, uh, you know, I'm still trying to get used to the fact that we're all over 40 now. And, uh, you know, uh, the, those football days you just talked about were, are about uh, 20 plus years away. Uh, and it just, uh, that's pretty uh, crazy, crazy to think about. You're, you weren't supposed to say that, man. You're dating us. These people think that I'm 35, man. Um, okay, so anyway, Brian, you and I went out for lunch the other day, and you you were telling me what got you into this. And this has been something that we've been talking to our clients about for several years now because – Let's see. It was about uh, about three years ago when we were doing some homework on this topic of reverse mortgages that the light bulb went on for me. But I want you to tell your own story and and kind of tell you what opened your eyes to this product and and what brought what put it on your radar. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, I've been in the business 17 years, got a uh, business right out of uh, college. Um, you know, I actually got my teaching degree, but never taught a day in my life. Kind of backed into this business like most people do. And uh, once they get you, it's hard to get out. So uh, I've done it all. I've seen it all. And um, But, you know, up to this point, up to about a year ago, I didn't really know anything about reverse mortgages. Uh, super misunderstood product. And um, it wasn't until my, uh, my, my grandpa passed away, actually. And so uh, my grandpa passed away, and uh, my grandma, surviving beneficiary, um, you know, uh, has a small uh, Social Security income, is going to get a little bit of uh, pension from him, uh, but not enough to, you know, uh, keep making the mortgage payment at the house that they made. They, they lived on a house on a lake, and, um, you know, it's quite a uh, – uh, they don't owe, owe – a lot, but um, they owed enough. But where she was going to have to continue to pay in the mortgage, and she wasn't going to be able to do it. You know, she has some um, health issues and things like that to that nature. And so, you know, I just thought, well, what are we going to do? And so we start looking at um, different options. And you know, the traditional options are, well, you got to fix up the house and sell it. And you know, she's going to either going to move in with uh, family members or she's going to, um, you know, have to go into a home. Yeah. And, you know, that's pretty much the only two options that you have. Um, and so we found that the third option, she really didn't want to leave the house, you know, and, um, and so, uh, we were able to, uh, talk to somebody. I was able to get her into a reverse mortgage. I didn't actually do it. I actually had somebody, um, from our corporate office do it, but I followed through, followed it the whole time and really learned about different things, sat with her the whole time. Her, um, uh, me and my mom. And uh, it was just uh, eye-opening to see how this changed her life and all the details that went into it. And I thought, wow, how many people are out there in this same situation that don't know that this is an option? And so that's when I really became uh, passionate about it and started looking into it and just dove right headfirst into it. Okay. So our listeners know this. Um, Let's talk about, I want to talk about the risks uh, or perceived risks and potential downsides first, right? Know your risk radio. We're always looking at what the worst case scenario is. So I'm just going to start throwing some, some natural objections about reverse mortgages at you. And you tell me where I'm wrong. Okay. So first, if I get a reverse mortgage, uh, at some point, if that reverse mortgage doesn't get paid off, they can take my house. Okay. I I've heard that fear. I'm sure you have too. Is that correct? Or is that incorrect? Square us away on that. Sure. Well, you know, right away, I'm just going to say you can't get a reverse mortgage because you got to be 62 years or older. Okay. And you're not there yet. (laughs) However, yeah, this is a a, a typical thing that comes up. Uh, They, you know, people think that you're signing your life away, signing over your uh, home to the bank, signing over your equity to the bank. Uh, Couldn't be further from the truth. It's just a, it's your typical loan. You know, it's a FHA loan, you know, insured by the government um and and the cool thing about this is what called a non-recourse loan which means that if worst case scenario um you uh, you get a reverse mortgage and um obviously uh, we tank like we did in 2008 and all of a sudden uh, you can't go upside down in this loan okay. you can't go upside down in this loan and 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 regardless of how big that loan becomes so let's say what about in a scenario where after 20 years, right, your grandma's house, and I, I, I don't even think this is possible, but let's just say worst case scenario. Let's say after 20 years, your grandmother's house is like depreciated 80% in value. And now the reverse loan amount, because of the interest on the reverse loan, let's say it's gone to where it is now four times the price of the house. Is she in danger of losing her home? No. Uh, when, well, when she's ready to get rid of it, I mean, when it's time to get, when it's time to go, um, Basically, what happens is 
the F, uh, the the bank can only sell the house at a fair market value, and any losses that they take, they have to eat the losses, and they're actually insured, you know, for it, and that's you know that's part of the mortgage insurance that you pay on it. And and at no point while your grandmother is alive, they can't can they, they can't force her to sell the home regardless of the size of the loan, correct? I mean, there's nothing correct. they can do. Correct. The only time that they can make the loan due is if she doesn't use it as a primary residence, which is only uh, you have to live in the house six months and one day. Um, and so, you know, a little, 183 days um, is, is the rule of thumb. And so it has to be her primary residence and she has to be able to pay the taxes and insurance. As long as she does those things, that she that that she is good to good to go in that house until she passes away or or decides to sell or okay so let's go back to that other scenario now let's say and i want to quit saying that i shouldn't be talking about your grandmother passing away oh yeah but uh yeah i don't i don't yeah it's just an example that i like to to use but um you know you really they can go millions and millions of people in the same, you know, so it's just a typical example anyways. Right. Okay. So, so let's say, uh, now that, uh, you, your grandmother wants to leave the house to the kids, right? We'll just say that cause I've, I've run into clients say that, well, I want to leave the house to the kids. Okay. So, uh, when, when that person or grandma passes away again, let's use it. Let's say the value of the home is dropped to $200,000 and the amount owed on the reverse mortgage is a million bucks. Does that $800,000 difference have to get paid out by her estate or other assets? Does that $800,000 difference get passed off to her kids? No, it does not. That's also part of the non-recourse uh, uh, definition there. It's, um, it can't be passed on to your heirs. And so, oh, go ahead. Well, and then, okay, and then correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is regardless of how big that debt has become in relationship to the price of the house, when grandma does pass away... The kids, the beneficiaries, have the right to purchase the house at a 5% discount to market price, correct? That's right, at the fair market price that day. So if, you know, if, like you said in your scenario, if it's, you know, if the lien on the house is $800,000, but the fair market value at that date, at that time, is only 200000 then, you know, the kids are going to be able to buy it for $190,000. Wow. Okay, so now taxation. Okay, you take all this money out of your house via reverse mortgage, you're going to owe a big tax bill on it, correct? Incorrect. It's all tax free. This is all tax free. Um, now, you know, it's the the money that you're getting from the reverse mortgage. If you uh, d- decide to take out lump sum or uh, open a line of credit, there's a couple of different ways that you can um, get the money um, and get access to your money and get access to your equity. However, if you do, tr- you know, decide to sell it, let's just say you use a reverse for a purchase, um, you know, standard rules apply. You still have to live there two years. Otherwise, you know, if you try to sell it within two years, you're going to get hit by with capital gains and stuff like that. So, I mean, so there. There's uh, the same rules with everything in real estate apply. Every, yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Now, now here's another scenario, and this is one of the ones that piqued my interest. And I said this going into the conversation. And one of the reasons that we started, we haven't done it a lot. We probably, I don't know, maybe five clients or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we had some clients that came in, and this is a typical situation we see where, you know, cash poor, house rich, right? And so we looked at the house. I remember one client in particular had a paid off home worth a million bucks. Okay. And so I was sitting there going, we've got to, how do we protect that equity? Right? So she actually took out a reverse mortgage for 50% of the value of her home. And the idea that we had now, the other thing, and I'm speaking for you here, but one of the other misconceptions that we ran into about reverse mortgages is once you get a reverse mortgage, the tab doesn't start running right away. That money essentially sits in an escrow account. You can draw on it when you choose, correct? It's all all about what you set up at the very beginning. You know, there's like a two or three different ways that you can have get access to the money. You can set up payments, uh, you know, a set number of payments that these, you know, this is the amount we're going to get each month and, you know, and do it that way. Uh, you can also set up a line of credit, which is like super popular now. Okay. And okay. so that you have a 250000 dollar lender uh, uh, line of credit that you have access to and you can do pretty much whatever you want with it. Okay. And then, and then also if you, if you do the line of credit way, and this is the way we had it set up, mm-hmm. um, 
right, if you pull the money, then the interest starts tabulating on the loan like it would with anybody else. But until you actually pull the money and use it, that credit line is growing. And I understand that there's different products that grow at different rates. But if you don't touch that money, right, that available credit line that is tax-free is growing, correct? I'm not sure. Uh, I think that it is set. Um, I know that there's a couple of different stair-step ways uh, that you can do it and um, where you, uh, like the first year, you'll have access to, let's just, I'm just using this. Uh, a fake number, two hundred thousand. The next year, you have access to three hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay. Eventually, it, 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 eventually, it reaches a, reaches a max. Okay. Okay. So then, in and so when we looked at it, I think obviously, it is federally insured. As long as the people are living, they cannot lose their home. They don't have to pay a dime on the loan itself, right? And, until they pass away, right. and then it's and then the loan is paid off by the sale of the home eventually, right? But Again, it, that debt, if that, if that amount is in excess of the amount of the house, that debt just gets wiped off. It essentially gets eaten by the government, right, FHA. And then, but on the insurance side of insurance, this was the thought we had. And let me know, you know, if, if I'm wrong, let me know. It might be a little embarrassed here on the show. But um, one, of, one of the ideas that we had was, okay, we can use this effectively to insure the value of the home. And here was our logic. She had a million-dollar house. She got a $500,000 reverse mortgage. She didn't touch it. It's just sitting there, right? If the value of her home drops by 50%, she can pull the reverse mortgage money out, buy another home that's worth $500,000, and now she still owns a million dollars worth of real estate and neither of the properties she owes a dime on, correct? Uh, in terms in terms of payment, meaning see, she would have paid cash for the second property. She's got the reverse mortgage on the first. As long as she keeps living in the first house, right, she could rent out the house she bought for cash and live off the rent, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't see a problem with that scenario at all. No. So, 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 guys, my whole point here is saying that this is probably an angle on the reverse mortgage side that most people have not thought of. And the reason I think that now is a good time to talk about it is you've got record home prices with record levels of equity and yet rising interest rates, right? I look at that and think, hey, if you think you may have a cash problem, if you think you are a bit light in cash, if you want to know if you're a bit light in cash, we can certainly help you determine that. But just because you get a reverse mortgage doesn't mean you have to take that money or even ever use it, right? If you never access the money in the room, let's say you got it like my client did as a precautionary measure, right? If, if that money just sits there and she never pulls it, and she decides she wants to sell the house, she can just sell the house and it extinguishes the loan because she never pulled anything out of it, correct? I mean, there's just that, that, that money, you don't owe the money until you pull it, right? Uh, yeah, if you, if you own the house free and clear, you're talking about in that situation, yeah. if you own the house free and clear and you get a line of credit, then obviously, yes. Yeah. So guys, the, the, the reason that we wanted to have this conversation is because of the situation. You've got, right, record high housing prices, record high levels of equity. If you need cash, it's a tax-free, completely safe, insured way to do it. If you're worried about the equity in your home, it's a great way to insure it. Here's the other thing, guys. Like I said with a couple of our clients, it's just a great insurance policy. You got a big stream of cash that depending on the prop, depending on how, you know, the, the product or the, or the way that the product's set up, it can even be a pile of cash that is growing. It's 100% tax-free. And it's there just sort of as a backup, right? Or you can use it. We had another client that did one of these, Brian. They actually took the money out of the reverse mortgage and put it into the, real, the private real estate fund we use that pays 7% a year. So, so they don't pay anything, right? They owed their house free and clear. They're still not making mortgage payments on the house. But now all of a sudden, that 500000 that they pulled out in equity, they've got it sitting in our real estate fund now paying them $35,000 a year, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, I always tell people it's just a, a much it's a tool of a much larger uh, retirement strategy, you know, and, um, you know, you you do what you do on your side of things. I'm just a small part of it, yeah. you know, and just really uh, uh, trying to do something, giving somebody a different. And like you said before, it's not for everybody. It's not for every scenario. Yep. And we'll tell you that right away. This is one of the only products that you actually have to go to a third party counselor 
Um, the, the meeting lasts about an hour and a half, um, and they're not employed by the bank. They're a third-party entity that, you know, basically they sit down with these people and say, hey, this is what it is. This is what it looks like. These are the numbers. They make sure that the borrowers, um, their family members are invited. Everybody understands what this is by the end of that counseling session. And so there's no surprises. There's nothing like that. This is one of the only loans that you actually have to do that kind of thing. So it's super safe. And it's just, again, it's not for everybody, but for the people that, but for the people that do fit in that box, it's really powerful. Okay, Brian. Well, that, no, that's great. And guys, I, I, this is something that we have been through few, uh, with a few clients. And this is also, I want you to understand that we do not make a dime off this. I can't sell these to you. That's not what I'm talking about. This is just us again. And if you, if you listen to the show, guys, obviously a lot of people listen to the show, become clients. And that's a big reason why we do it. The other reason why we do it is we just want to be informative, right? Do the right thing. The business side of it takes care of itself. Um, and then that's why I really wanted to have Brian on because he is a specialist in this stuff, knows it up and down, been in the mortgage game. You went through, I mean, you're, we're, we're gray hairs now, man. You went through the storm. You were in the business back in 08, 09, weren't you? I was, I was, I wasn't, I was actually back office. I was in operations a lot, you know, pretty much my first 10 years in the business. And, uh, so I saw a lot, saw a lot, what, um, I learned a lot from a lot of good people, but I also learned a lot of stuff, what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's true for all of us, pal. Um, so guys, there's two ways that we can go about doing this. Obviously you want information about this. And you're interested in talking to us, uh, you can give us a call as always at 866-779-RISK. And then that was the other thing I want to point out. Again, when I make a referral, it, it's, it, I'm very slow to do it. And I will just tell you right now that I finance my home through Brian. Uh, that's the only person I go to. And he is who we sit, we're, are sending our clients to. Um, so I really can't give a bigger vote of confidence to that uh, other than that. Uh, but also, Brian, why don't you let these people know how they can get a hold of you and, and just even look into this? Sure. You know, uh, I always tell people, you know, it's uh, anything that has to do with a mortgage is uh, it's it's free information. You know, it never hurts anybody to just have a conversation. Um, and if you have a conversation with me, I usually start by just understanding your situation uh, and how we can help. And if we and if we can help ourselves by doing a mortgage or a reverse mortgage or any, you know, really any product that we offer that great. And um, I'll be happy to help. However, if we can't help, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that as well. And I'm going to try and steer you to a place that I think they can. Um, that's what's really important. I'm just trying to do the right thing, just like Zach. I, you know, me and him, I think that's why we've uh, been good friends and been good uh, business partners for so long, uh, because we view business that way. Uh, but you can get a hold of me. You know, the best way is just my cell phone, 253 961 Six two two two. I work, uh, you know, seven days a week, and uh, you know, no no time is a bad time to call me. Okay, and then what about a company website? Can they go check you out on the website? Sure, you can just look up Brian McKechnie. Um, you know, last name is M C K. E-C-H-N-I-E. Uh, the num- name of my company is Premier Mortgage Resources. Uh, you know, I have a, uh, I have a, a, a <clears throat> website. I have a, a Zillow profile. I mean, you can pretty much uh, find me in a number of different places. All right, pal. Well, I can't thank you enough for agreeing to do this. And I just think it's a really, really important topic to have right now with the... I think all of our listeners know what I think of this economic backdrop. It is really ugly. And the way I look at it is... Even if you don't need the money, what does having a big pile of tax-free, essentially no-risk cash, I don't really see a drawback to that, so, right? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I just think of it as diversification, you know? I think the uh, the stat that I've heard uh, time and time again is that most people that are uh, going into retirement, uh, you know, 75% of their assets are all tied up in their house, mm-hmm. and it's just not a very liquid um, you know, it's not a very flexible uh, asset. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you have to go through to get access to that cash. This just gives you a little bit more access to it and a little bit, more, you know, you can be a little bit more nimble with it and maybe uh, diversify it over the course of a larger financial strategy with, the, you know, uh, people like yourselves. I, I One of the things I thought about is 0809, how valuable something like this would have been, right? If you just had a reverse mortgage sitting there, your house gets whacked and then... I bought my house that I live in in 2010 
And it was a wonderful time to be shopping for houses. I can't imagine being able to shop for houses in that environment with a pile of tax-free cash, right? I mean, that would, so like, and that's where the whole insurance aspect, guys, is, right? Go back to 809, your house loses 40%. You got the reverse mortgage sitting there and you go, hey, let's go pay cash for a rental. It's the same price as the house that we currently live in. We'll rent the sucker out and we effectively just made ourselves a pension fund. Right. I mean, well, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, this is not just a refinance. You can actually use this for a purchase as well. Um, and a, a, a big portion of what that scenario looks like as most people at, uh, at, at this time of their lives are looking to either downsize. They're looking to move closer to uh, their children. So they end up selling their house that they've been living in, you know, and they, that they've owned free and clear because they're going to downsize. You know, they're going to buy a Rambler now, you know, because they're sick of stairs. Uh, you know, just a number of things or they're going to move close to their, their, their grandchildren. And so you can actually use a purchase, uh, you know, instead of taking that million dollars that you just, uh, you know, got from your the sale of your last house, you can take 500000 of that, go buy a house on a reverse mortgage, still not have a payment, and now you have $500,000 uh, you know, sitting there to do with what you want, you know, and to invest in part of the larger strategy um, instead of just paying for another million dollar condo outright and just paying all cash for it. Yeah, no, I love that, man. And I wasn't even aware of that aspect of it. So anyway, Premier Mortgage, right? Premier Mortgage. Premier Mortgage Resources. Pre- Premier Mortgage Resources. Brian McKechnie. Uh, it's who I trust to do our home loans and our clients reverse mortgages. Um, and like I said, I've known him since he was 18, so uh, I can I can speak to his character. But anyway, we got to take a quick break, guys. But uh, yeah, contact Brian at Premier Mortgage Resources and look into this. I think it can be an invaluable tool, and much like the fixed index annuity, I think it's grossly under, misunderstood. And this day and age, I, I think those misunderstandings are just too costly. You got to know what all your options are, and I think we've got to pull every trigger we can for the vast majority of you. So anyway, got to take a quick break. As always, you can get a hold of us at eight six six. 779 risk if you'd like to talk to us and get a little more information on this we'd be happy to discuss it with you and 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 then also go right to the horse's mouth uh, contact brian mckechnie of premier mortgage resources and he'll get you squared away anyway this is the know your risk radio podcast download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com thanks for listening to know your risk radio with zach abraham chief investment officer at bulwark capital whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile schedule your free risk review with zach abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com zach will be back with more know your risk radio next saturday at noon on 97.3 cairo fm and am 770 ktth The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.